Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and by RockAuto.com. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb, and welcome everyone to our MotorWeek podcast number 126. We're here in Studio C at MotorWeek World Headquarters around our... Oddly shaped table is our road test producer, Ben Davis. Also oddly shaped. And assistant producer, <laughs> Greg Carlos. Hey, hey. Our writer, Patrick Lucas. Hey now. And Patrick also produces the podcast. And our over-the-edge reporter, Zach Maskell, who's uh, greeted, uh, granted us his uh, appearance today. I gave him a hard time because Hello. he's hard to track Quite down. Quite the intro. I there like you it. Go. Thank you. Um, we're going to talk about lots of stuff. We have a lightning round of viewer question. We can rant and rave about a few things, but we're going to start off sort of patting ourselves on the back. Uh, this is the beginning of the 35th season for Motor Week on television. Uh, that is a remarkable achievement. I'm the only one at the table who was around at the beginning, uh, but I'm happy to say that everyone around this table has uh, been played a big part in putting together uh, our celebration, which is a very fast-paced 30-minute program. Uh, looking back and hopefully poking a little fun at uh, some of the cars we thought were great in the past, uh, some of the adventures we thought were less memorable than others, uh, how cars have changed, uh, all a little bit tongue-in-cheek. But let me put the question to you. The four of you sitting around the table, you've been with the show various times. Talk about how long you've been with the show and what, if anything, significant you've seen change just since you've been here. Now, Ben, you've been here with us the longest. Yeah, I've started in 01, and um, as technology's increased, the, definitely the use of GoPros has got, taken us a long way. Um, and now with DSLRs and float cam and everything, I guess just the shots have gotten a whole lot more interesting, and there's a whole lot more for the editors to put together. That's basically... The, that's a the big, most impactful that's thing a I've big noticed. Thing. Yeah. Well, and I should point out that Ben's uh, responsible for a lot of that. Uh, back in the early days, I talked. To, I say people say, "How's the show changed?" I said, "Well, when we did the first show, first season, the average road test about five minutes, the same as it is now. We might have had seventeen to twenty shots in that five minutes. <laughs> now, a few years ago, we were up to around forty-five shots for that five minutes. I'm not even sure what the number is today. It's got to be close to sixty." Because we're using GoPros and the DSLRs to do very, very, very quick insert stuff to keep the editing lively. That's pretty awesome. Uh, and um, that's something that we're very, very proud of. What do you think, Greg? You've been with the show almost – I'm not over, sure. Little, you and Zach, I guess, have both been – years. Three years. Zach, how long have you been with the show? Almost three years. Okay. So, see anything change since you've been here? Or if not, what do you like the best? Um, yeah, I've definitely noticed some changes. I mean, even within what Ben was talking about, uh, just the technology that we've kind of, and that's a testament to you. I mean, you see some of the stuff that we bring up and, uh, you know, GoPros and DSLRs, it's, it's, it's good that you can kind of allow us to do these it's things exciting. and change things up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're doing all kinds of, of different shots and things that wouldn't normally make it into a road test before, but it's just the experimentation has really kind of allowed us to be more creative even in the last couple of years. I think what people love the most about Motor Week is that the formula remains pretty much the same, and that is the reason that they tune in. Um, however, now 
they're just being a little bit more we're throwing more stuff at them throughout the entire show you know as far as the drone shots go or um you know a certain just things that you know they wouldn't expect to see so uh, i mean it's constantly changing and it's for the good so how about you, Patrick? I, I have just seen within the last couple of years, like Zach and Greg, I've been here about three years. Um, the amount of freedom that you have given us, kind of, we're stepping into the online. Oh, world. I'm, I'm feeling the love here. Well, I mean, you know, you on the back. You know, <laughs> YouTube, uh, Twitter, and stuff like that. You kind of let us be, you know, quirky, weird, kind of dumb, have fun. But you know, at the same time, we stick to the core <laughs> Motor Week formula, and uh, you know, I think. Hopefully, people well. Thank like you. That. That's very. Uh, that was very kind comments. We Literally do pat yourselves. On we the back, we people. do. Um, I think the secret of the program, and several of you hit on it, is that we try to make sure that our audience gets the latest information about the newest cars in the most detailed manner that you can do on television. But at the same time, we try and have some fun with it. And a lot of the new technology, like the small cameras, have really enabled us to do that. Uh, in a big way, and some, and I have to say, some very creative editors. Uh, the unsung heroes in this whole business are uh, the men and women that sit there at those boards, night after night, staring at those screens and make our pictures, put them together, and make them come alive, like a like putting together Frankenstein. They make it live. <laughs> All right, enough of that. Uh, catch our anniversary show. Uh, if you don't see it when it first goes out, uh, we'll we be repeating it during the year. And also, all of the pieces will live on YouTube forever. I want to talk about a car that almost, uh, at least the name of it, has been around almost forever, at least for 50 years. The 2016 Shelby GT350 Mustang. Uh, Ben, you're the only one that has driven it. It's an awesome-looking car. I was there when it was unveiled. Does it live up to the hype? It does. I didn't think a car, I didn't think a Mustang could get better than the Boss three or two that we had a yeah, few years which ago. It was a wonderful car. Yeah, everything about that car was awesome. This car was insane, 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 insane. After having just driven the GT convertible that we had recently, mm-hmm. I, uh, I wasn't. I, I was expecting a lot, but I was still expecting some looseness to be in there and some wandering. But I got there, I got on Laguna Seca, and that car is 100% nailed down. The feedback is exactly what you want. The heft, the weight, the way the car, at its limits, the way it just calmly kind of shifts left and right, giving you complete control, it's completely inspiring. You feel like a pro race car driver driving that thing. It sounds awesome. It feels awesome. And it, it just exudes awesomeness. And well, it's so a, if you had one word to describe it this would kind of be <laughs> well i'm getting to that one word a bargain at the price they're asking it's a bargain 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 two words awesome bargain you know the one of the things that ford has managed to do now with the high performance mustangs more so than i think any other domestic manufacturer and i'm not sure there's anybody else that i can put in this class they actually managed with the boss you mentioned that one mm-hmm. and they've done it again with this uh, gt350 to make Every part of that car worked perfectly with every other part. Would you agree? They with that? definitely def they, they hammered that that uh, down on the GT350. They mentioned mm-hmm. that during the briefing. Every other sentence that every part was harmonious, and if it wasn't, then it wasn't on the car. So yeah, I, I agree. Magnaride suspensions on there now. So just think about is that. Is this car like dialed in like a 
911s dialed in, or is this dialed in like a pony car? As, Actually, as good as a pony car. Can it's it's fair to compare it to a 911. I I did in my head, or to a Porsche for sure, maybe uh, a Cayman or something. But it it's got that kind of inner aura and chi to it that it's as dialed in on the track as a Porsche is. Well, you know, they always... Really felt connected to this thing. (laughs) For for decades, they always claim, you know, oh, Mustang, uh, best-selling sports car in the world or whatever it was, and I always said, that's bull. You know, this is not what you traditionally call a sports car, but this one apparently is. It didn't feel like a pony car. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It it didn't feel entry-level. It felt... It felt exotic. What about the difference between the R and the, just the 350? I mean, are you walking away from the three after driving both? Right. Could you find yourself going to a dealer and being happy with just getting the 350, or you feel the yeah, R? That's is a hefty need? price difference between the two. Isn't yeah. It? It's yeah, it's a little bit of a price difference. I, well, I got one. I got three laps in each car. And only going to say the first one was the GT350. So I was just kind of getting warmed up to the track on that before they put me in the R. So naturally, the R felt a lot better mm. um but yeah I, I would feel completely fine with the gt350 it's it's only 120 pounds lighter with a track pack and that's more of a like daily a G- i mean if you want to call it a daily driver it's one you can be more happy with on the street right because the 350r is like well, no, it's the same it's G. the same territory well, right? it's the same engine though it's the same yeah. engine and transmission in each car so as far as drivability, uh, each car was perfectly fine on the street. I mean, you would think you hear a lot that the flat plane crank is going to idle wildly and it's not going to be a daily, but it's 100% a daily driver. No problem at all. Um, with the GT350R, I know they delete a lot of things like AC and a rear seat, and you have to kind of buy that stuff back. if you There's a package mm-hmm. that gives you AC back and stuff. It's definitely for the more hardcore but, I mean, if you're going to track it, yeah, the R is worth it. If you're not going to track it. Or if you're going to collect it, the R is worth it. What, True story. What do True story. carbon yeah. fiber wheels feel like? <laughs> that just, scares me a little. Yeah. That's a little weird. They look awesome. They're um, about half the weight of the mm-hmm. comparable wheel in aluminum. They were 18 pounds apiece. Yeah, to be honest, I couldn't uh, – you know, I'm not that awesome that I felt a difference between the two wheels. But – yeah, it's cool. How awesome is it to say you have mm. carbon fiber wheels? Unsprung weight. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the next level. Yeah. I mean, somebody topped that yeah. in a pony car. Now we're going to change completely. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go from the GT350 to the Mazda CX-3. No. And I don't know, folks. This is, you know, we, we pride the ourselves at being able to, to keep everything on a level plane. But this is one transition that's going to be kind of tough. I feel mm. bad for it. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I mean, not for the car, but just that it had to follow. <laughs> it had the to GT follow the GT. We yeah. probably should have done the other order. Okay, GT uh, CX three. Um, the prevailing, uh, I mean, the big market, growing market for all of these subcompact uh, uh, crossovers. Uh, we've talked about a lot of them on recent podcasts and on recent shows. How does this the small Mazda crossover measure up, and did it measure up to your expectations? I think. That uh, having it here, directly next to a Honda HRV, was not a good idea. Was not doing it any <laughs> favors. Much like having it follow a GT. Right, exactly. On a I podcast. thought that the load floor was way too high. The hatch, uh, when you open the hatch, the ceiling isn't very tall, so there's not a lot of actual usable storage space. Unlike the HRV, which was a little better. Same with the back seats; not as much leg room. Um, the interior. 
was more comfortable and easier to use and live with, mm-hmm. I would imagine. But I don't, it kind of felt – I don't know why I got rubbed the wrong way, but I, it kind of felt like a, just like a me too kind of car. Like, hey, we're doing this too. Mm-hmm. We're in the small crossover segment too. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, quite a few people have said that they felt like – they didn't really need this vehicle that with the with the uh, the Mazda three itself being such a competent car that maybe this is like okay some executive thought they needed this vehicle but the market really doesn't need it I don't know I didn't dislike it as much as some of you guys did I got in it and felt very comfortable in it and thought this was a nice little small SUV um, I do like the HRV though a lot so I agree with that as well. But I felt it had a sportiness that the HRV doesn't have. Uh, absolutely, on the track, it carved through the cones. Mm-hmm. It it was pretty neutral. Um, no, no oversteer, no understeer. It felt great. Shifted great. No CVT there. I you mean, know, I would like hard, to compare it. Shifts. The we, brakes. Left we a talked about the Q3 on an earlier program. I kind of thought the driving situation was fairly similar. Yeah, it's, a, it's an attainable decent performance. Decent steering feel in there, yeah. right? And yeah, especially yeah. I mean, yeah. that Rocking long through with the like cones. thirty-five miles per gallon. Um, it's, it's a Mazda, so that's what you're getting when you buy a Mazda. You you want that driving experience, which is, which is cool. I like that in, in the other Mazdas. The thing that separated it from, say, like a 6 or a 3 was I didn't find myself as comfortable. I never got comfortable in that car. And I know that it's supposed to be a little bit more stiff riding. It's supposed to be a little bit harsher than, like, say, a Camry or an Accord. But I felt like it was just a little bit too over the top in this specific um, usage. So I just, I understand the, the vehicle. I just didn't think the execution was all that good. Now here's the problem. When you get into these small, I mean, subcompact size, uh, crossovers, you know who your real competition is? It's a Volkswagen Golf. Because Volkswagen Golf drives (laughs) better, you still sit relatively high, you have more interior room. It's like every time I get into anything that's really small with a hatch, I come back to the Golf. The Golf is nice. And and that, you know, because you can get everything you need on a crossover on a golf. So it's, it's so nice. I think if you're into the Mazda shtick and you like their styling and you like their sporty handling, and especially when you're trying to compare its uh, handling to say an Audi a Q3, um, I think the C3, the CX3 has got its place. Uh, but I, I might have to say as a whole, I don't think it uh, impressed us as much as we thought it would. Left some to be desired. Left some to be desired. But a nice vehicle, a good a good addition to the Mazda clan anyway. And I think if they didn't have it, they we would probably be criticizing them for leaving that niche open. All right, let's move on now to our lightning round. Our panelists have two minutes to debate trending automotive topics. Uh, when time's up, they're going to hear Patrick and the bell. Okay. We mentioned this on an earlier podcast. Ford has teased, rumored, and uh, basically now talking with the United Auto Workers about bringing out back the once we called uh, compact, now midsize uh, Ford Ranger small pickup truck. There's already a new Tacoma. There's the resurrected Colorado and Canyon. Uh, We hear there's going to be a Wrangler pickup truck. Is Ford too late? Is the trend of getting back into the midsize pickup truck market a temporary one? Or does it have some real staying power this time? Anybody got a comment? I don't see it happening. I don't think Ford's too late necessarily. They have some awesome engines that would drop right into that truck and make Mm -hmm. it definitely definitely probably the 
dare I say, leader of that. What would they probably? What, what would they put in that one? I mean, well, they would, got, they they got, got in several four cylinder turbos. Or, yeah. Yeah. Would yeah. they put the two seven V six that's in the F one fifty? Because that would be like a powerhouse in the range. <laughs> I mean, that would be that would destroy. Or de- even a derivative, even the Focus RS motor. The, yeah, the, the global market like engines. Some, I mean, they've got I think a, a four six, and I think there's even a diesel globally. I mean, this this vehicle's been on sale now for if two they, years worldwide. If they want to make a splash, I would recommend putting a diesel in it. Um, that's something that the Tacoma doesn't no, have. No pun intended. They used to make a Ranger splash. Remember oh, yeah. That? yeah okay. <laughs> Zach, nice you pool. started to say nice something pool. on the other end. Oh, I don't know. I just I just feel like that has kind of, kind of left. I think if you're going to get a truck, you're probably going to go with the F-150 or – but the reason, one of the reasons they say that Ford's doing this is because F-150 and Silverado and all the rest of the full size, their transaction prices now are getting into the 40 and early low $50,000 range. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that can't afford that. Yeah, when, when you hear the base prices of these trucks, it sounds appealing. But when you see a base model truck, I mean, you've got roll-up windows. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. You've got nothing in there. Now, I'd love to see some F-150 styling in a smaller Mid-sized mm-hmm. kind of package. I think that would be a really sharp-looking yeah. small pickup. Cool. Oh, what if they sure. had a Raptor Especially version of the oh Ranger? Yeah, I mean, especially if the thing could tow well. That, that was yeah. probably one of the main complaints with the old six-cylinders was that it just didn't have enough towing. Well, the old engines, which they had a three and a four-liter V6, and I've got the four-liter V6. It's okay, but it sucks gas and it doesn't tow that well. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I... I love my Ranger. I've got like an 03, and uh, I wish they were still making a new one, and I'm kind of excited Ford about it. Ford could do an all-aluminum mid-size pickup truck. How about oh. that? Well, that's why apparently they they claim now, in hindsight, that's why they didn't bring the new Ranger here is because it wouldn't have gotten as good a fuel economy as the all-aluminum F-150. Wow. But if this truck is going to get redesigned in 2018 when it's supposed to come here, suppose they did put an aluminum body on it. That could knock uh, the pickup truck market on its ear. Yeah, that could, but would that bump up the price, though? I mean, would that put it up above well, yeah, that's Yeah, that's possible, I guess. But so far, it hasn't seemed to really hurt the F-150 sales very much. But I mean, we will say it'd be cool. Yep, it would be cool. Shall it happen? That's going to be a, a, great wrap up. Gonna be a starting up. point of my rave Good later. Uh, viewer question. Uh, gosh, Eric asked a question last time. He's got another question. I wonder if this Eric, is a, I wonder if this is CMK. different. This is a, I'm going to be totally honest. That, that was a mistake on my part. Who is it? It's not Eric. The one who would have to be Eric. We're sorry, we know who whoever are. actually asked this question. I'm going to say his name is Joe. We got a lot of Joe's. Oh, Joe. Okay. I have a 2002 Mazda MP. I probably just shouldn't have mentioned that, but I did. <laughs> I have a 2002 Mazda MPV with 65,000 miles. I have kept the space safe spare tire properly inflated over the entire years, and I am now wondering at what point in time is the spare tire too old to use? It has never been on the ground. Do I need to purchase a new spare tire because of its age? If Pat Goss was here, he would say you're past it. Uh, but the uh, the thing is, you got to look at how you're going to use this. Well, he doesn't use it very much. He's driven at sixty five thousand yeah, miles since two thousand two. So, and, and if you're <laughs> only going to drive a few miles to where you can get it repaired, 
Yeah, keep the speed low. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just, just look at the thing. If it looks super dry rotted, then don't even think about it. If but, it's cracked, if yeah. it has any cracks in the sidewall. Most I likely think, it hasn't been exposed to UV at all, so it's probably Yeah, but it's if, it's still, if, if it's hot outside and it's getting hot in that car, it's going to yeah, eat that thing up and it's going to tear that tire like down. That. There also is yeah. an expiration date on all tires. Yep. Um, so check that. I don't know if it's on a spare or not. but I think there is something on there. that that. But there's a good industry standard. Um, I know I've, I've heard Pat talk about, you know, they can get too old. I think Eric though, or whatever your name is, Joe, uh, the big thing <laughs> is if it. you've kept it uh, well-maintained and you're only going to use it to get to a uh, service and you keep the speeds low, you're not supposed to go over 50 miles an hour with those things anyway. Uh, it should be fine. Now in my younger days, I knew someone that in one lap of America actually did like 8,000 miles on a temporary spare, oh. but I that's not recommended yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, How much does a spare tire cost? Or a spare wheel and tire? If you Joe don't Jared. get it on the car and it's an option, it can be a couple hundred bucks. <clears throat> it's still not outrageous, though. But if you had one of these, you could probably go to a junkyard and get something out of a wreck that would fit your car. It's basically just matching up the look. As long as that one's not old. Yeah. Mm. Okay, I hope that helps, whatever your name is. Uh, rant Rave. <laughs> I love that that all the time in the office. I rant and rave. Yeah, well, that's about each other. (laughs) Anybody got something sticking in their craw this week? Nothing sticking in my craw. I've got something very good to say. I'm not going to rant. Uh, This goes back to the uh, midsize pickup truck market here. Um, So I left the other day, and I didn't take a press car home. I just felt like driving driving, a personal vehicle. vehicle? And it's an 01 Ford Ranger. It has mechanical windows, mechanical locks. It has a radio and AC, and that's about it. And I can't describe the joy I felt driving that home the other day. It rides (laughs) pretty terrible. It's loud. And but you felt connected to it, didn't you? And it was it just something about it. The simplicity of a, of a pickup truck that I can just throw stuff in the back, um, you know, not particularly worried about, like, if my keys that are hanging on my pants rub up against it or something like that. Um, like I said, the, the mechanical locks, I'm yeah. not, like, fumbling for the fob trying to figure things out. It was just a really, <laughs> for some reason, just a nice, enjoyable experience driving that home. And I think... You know, that could be a testament to the need for a – what happened? Touch your microphone, man. We just got yelled at for that. Oh, that's the bot. It's not like, it's not like Patrick does I'm it. I'm still touching it. Um, Jeez, sorry, I'm just going to have to explain so that to everybody. I can't win to you. But, but I, I, the, back on point, I'm not touching my microphone. Um, yeah, I just – I feel like there's such a, there's a need for that kind of a pickup truck yeah. where it's, it's base, 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 and you can drive it every day and – just forget about it. But, you know, you're right. Um, we have a, a Ranger at our house, and we it's got a fair number of options on it. But it was bought so that we could haul stuff, either mulch or something from Home Depot. You know, it sits there parked most of the time. When you use it, you're using it because you are working around the house or doing something, carrying gas cans, whatever. And as long as it's got a radio, and in my case, the air conditioner works, I don't care. Very proper workhorse. A very proper workhorse, and it's 
decent on gas. When Mahandra, the uh, Indian company, was talking about bringing their pickup truck here about you know, five, six years ago, I applauded that because they were talking about, you know, eight or nine or ten thousand dollars small pickup truck. I think there's a real market in this country for that. Something that very basic. Beautiful simplicity, though, <laughs> only really applies to a pickup truck, right? If you've gotten like a base, yeah, you're right, a base sedan with roll down, well, yeah, because it's the like whole that. utility. You just think, wow, this car is old. And it, it yeah, sucks. part of it was like throwing my bags and stuff right. in the back and just like whatever. <laughs> it's, there's an attitude that you buy into. There's a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've never rolled my windows up once because <laughs> they, they, I am lazy. I the one person who has up. not made any comments here is the person who drives around in a car with a lot, a lot of manual aspects to it most, and that's Ben. I mean, what do you you drive home a lot in your Jeep? And well, yeah, yeah, it's got uh, a Wrangler. There's definitely, there's definitely, yeah, I, I don't like technology. I hate it. <laughs> Even though you embrace it every day. But, yeah, when I, when I have to reach for a, a hand crank, yeah, there's a certain the sound, you know, it, it takes me back. You know, there's smells associated with a car like that, and there's noises and heat. It's, I can just, rem- it's just an overload of the senses that makes me smile. I can remember when you used to, when it was a big deal to get the hold of the tool that enabled you to get the hand crank off so you could pull the door face off we, to work on the inside. I just had to do that last weekend <laughs> it on takes an 01 Corolla. special tool to get under there to Didn't press it. Didn't have the special tool. Yeah. I walk in because I wasn't there. I walk in, my dad's got his shirt off. Yeah. It was the, one of the funniest things I saw. And he's trying to, to pry it out. Oh, yeah. It, oh, man. Without the tool, a, it took us forever. a spring on the back and do, do it like a V-spring. Oh, man. Anyway. What, what a sight it must have been. <laughs> well, that was a good one. Thanks very much for that, I think. But anyway, there's something to be said. You know, this is why people are into the classic car culture. They like that simplicity. Thank you very much, everybody, for being a part of our Motor Week podcast today. Uh, to, to Ben, Greg, and Patrick, and Zach. And uh, I want to thank you all out there for making Motor Week uh, a part of your lives for 35 years. It's been great to be with you, and we're going to have a great time during our 35th season. Thanks to our audio engineer, Jim Bigwood. And Jim is the one who didn't want us touching the microphone, only because he was Not worried touching. about Sorry, all of you folks it, being able no to hear touching. us clearly, which you were able to. Our podcast creator, Bob Mixter, and, of course, Patrick Lucas, our producer, the guy with the bell. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Join us again for more Motor Week podcasts. Be sure to watch Motor Week on public television stations and on Velocity. Thanks for just consuming us here at Motor Week. We do it for you. Till next time. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by TireRack.com and by rockauto.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at motorweek.org. And watch Motorweek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.